time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. June 25th, 1964. Or if you prefer, June 25th, 1876. The cast of characters in order of their appearance, a patrol of General Custer's cavalry and a patrol of National Guardsmen on a maneuver. Past and present are about to collide head on, as they are wont to do in a very special bivouac area known as the Twilight Zone. Episode number 130 of The Twilight Zone was, uh, the seventh is made of phantoms, made up of phantoms. Uh, Sean, we, we made it to 130 episodes. Can you believe it? I can believe. Actually, it is it is pretty remarkable <laughs> because, you know what, like, kudos to us for, for making it happen on this show. We started, like, literally when the pandemic started, and here we are. Yeah. And here we are to this day careening towards the bewitching pool that's that that's our that's our reward at the end of this that is that is the best way to put it we are running headfirst into a brick wall yeah um um, this episode uh made me read up a lot about the battle uh, battle of little bighorn oh it did it sent you down the wikipedia rabbit hole it truly did. Found out that uh, Atari made a super awful video game uh, starring George Custer um, called really? Custer's Revenge. Yeah, uh, don't look it up. It is highly not safe for work. Um, but yeah, uh, good stuff. Bad stuff. <laughs> but this episode, it was good. <laughs> uh, and here's the, here's the funny thing. Um, this episode is is fine. You know, I I, I have... It's fine. Uh, I, I have no complaints about it. like, uh, you know, two or three weeks ago we did Uncle Simon and we both kind of agreed that one that one just kind of sucked. Yeah, there wasn't um, a lot going on there. Th- this one is fine. It's definitely you know very very Twilight Zoney. Uh, very Twilight Zoney. And, and uh, you know, you could almost uh, draw parallels to uh, a certain sci-fi novel called uh, Righteous Might with people going back to a uh, you know <laughs> a, a, a battle that didn't turn out too well. Where can you and, pick that up? Uh, you can pick that up at Eckhart's Press. Uh, thank you, thank you for asking. Um, and Amazon, uh, I might add. Um, so, so this story follows uh, three U.S. National Guard soldiers. Which, by the way, I would like to point out, these are three lucky people because they're in the U.S. Army National Guard at the beginning of Vietnam. So and they're playing war games in the desert and and playing war games in in, uh, in Montana South Dakota of, yeah South Dakota yeah, Montana. yeah South South Dakota instead of um, <laughs> yeah Sean now the world's uh, foremost expert on the Battle of a Little Bighorn <laughs> uh, so, so they're they're there instead of Vietnam so so good for them <laughs> it was a hundred percent in Montana <laughs> oh it was okay I don't retain I, I, anything I, I read. I, I, I thought don't. that was. Uh, I, I've I read Regis Might four times. I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I, I do have to point out uh, one thing. Um, even you know, uh, you know, back in the '60s, back back until probably like, I mean, probably like our generation. Maybe they weren't 
quite so good at preserving historical uh, places and artifacts as as they are now. Like we, we've gotten progressively better at that. I tell you, that <laughs> monument looks fresh and clean at the end of this episode. <laughs> it, it's a little weird that they were doing war games at the site of of the Battle <laughs> of Real Big Point. Like. It's like playing paintball at the Arlington Cemetery. I mean, it's not. It's absolutely one hundred percent not. But like... oh, no, no. So, so it would. It would be. It would be like like playing a paintball at Gettysburg. <laughs> I know this great place. Just stay with me though, because I'm going to say a name, and you're going to immediately say no. But just think about it. Yeah. What I... if we? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Like, why? Why? It's not but like I, we're going to unconsecrate the place. I, I guess like at the end of the day, they're supposed to be near the side of the battle, a little big horn. And like they, they sort of divert into it, but still, why would you even be that close to it? Also, let's be clear that uh, McCluskey thinks he shoots an Indian later. <laughs> not really a spoiler alert. Who cares? That means they're playing these war games with live ammunition. <laughs> around like, this people like yeah, around people on a on the 80th 88th anniversary of one of the like biggest military american military disasters within our own borders to and that tanks don't have a huge amount of range so <laughs> the, the fact that they were even able to get to the side of the battlefield that they, like they had to be really close by and by the way, we're picking this apart, but by the way, 1963, uh, engagement has changed. You're not using a lot of tanks after World War II in the same way you didn't use a lot of a lot of horses. You, you could probably correct me on this or confirm, but I don't think you're using a lot of tanks in 1963. Uh, so there's a lot of tanks in, uh, in Europe, like NATO tanks. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, because you know literally it's the same terrain we fought a couple other world wars on so if we did end up in some sort of a battle between like the 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 soviets slash russians and western europe yeah yeah in that That case you would be using a lot of a lot of tanks and and we used uh you know in fairness we used a lot of tanks in um in uh the uh in both iraq wars oh yeah true very yeah no no tanks in uh, in vietnam for that we um uh, actually developed uh, cavalry that jumped out of helicopters. That was uh, that they and they invented that for Vietnam. We used tanks in war games in Montana in 1964. And here here's here's another thing. So like after the battle, you know they they buried all of the uh, all of the soldiers, most of them in a in a mass grave right there, which is you know we see it at the end. Yeah. L- listen, they're doing that in 1876. I can't imagine they they were taking a lot of care to do that so they're probably fairly shallow graves so you got these tanks rolling over with their their giant treads it's probably, pretty probably halfway to the probably halfway to the bodies oh. like, what? what you know there's a lot of this? questions about this i feel like you know we particularly you can pick apart most episodes but there's there's a lot here to un- unravel <laughs> well you know i think uh you know so uh, this was actually, uh, you know, it, it was it was written by Serling, and I think that there were times where Serling just had like this, you know, like like J.J. Abrams is actually very good at world building, but then when he has to do something with said world, it just kind of falls mm. apart on him. 
kind of kind of the same thing. Like there were there were a couple of stories where you could tell that 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 Serling, he was like, huh, a tank goes back to Custer. That would be interesting, but never he, really, you know, just wasn't really able to to put a whole lot of thought into uh, into the story in the time that he had to work with. And and you know this is I I've made this you know let's call it a gripe plenty plenty of times over the years just that <laughs> this is a, like you know there's very frequently like either a cowboy in space or an astronaut in the old west or mm -hmm. uh, you know and I would I would lump a contempt a, a a present day in in 1963 a present day military man as an astronaut basically um you know so somebody from the from the present goes back to the past also um the the moment has passed but i did want to make a joke about jj abrams uh, world building the regarding henry universe um <laughs> the regarding but... henry cinematic universe <laughs> <clears throat> the R the rhcu man yes he could build that world. He could. He just couldn't do anything with them. <laughs> uh, that joke fared about as well as I thought it would. So it, it uh, fared about as <laughs> it fared about as well as Custer did at, at the Battle of Little Bighorn. <laughs> exactly. Um, by by the way, you know Custer was supposedly uh, you know a great uh, great general. Well, well, he was a colonel. He was he was promoted to he was actually promoted to general, and then you know during the Civil War, and then you know. A lot of fuel commissions didn't didn't last. So then he was a he was a lieutenant colonel when uh, when uh, things things went down, and then he was posthumously promoted to a to a general. But you knew that because you went down the the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Hell yeah! Um, man. Did you know that there was? Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm wasting um, people's time at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're we're spending an awful lot of time on Custer's rank. By the way, <laughs> uh, when when uh, my family and I lived in Denver. There was a Chicago hot dog place called uh, Cust uh, Mustard's Last Stand, which I thought That's was very good. Um, which is funny because you guys hate ketchup up there. Yes. Yeah. Um, shouldn't go on hot dogs. No, it it it, it really shouldn't. Unless you're unless you're a little kid, then then it's, I have, it's permissible. I when I first heard that, I uh, I was like, oh come on, ketchup is fine. But you know what? As I grow older, no, no, it's too sweet. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. They just don't go well together. And and mm -hmm. as you become an adult, you realize that. It's true. It's true. It only took me thirty six years because yeah, about three that, years. That's ago. all. So, <laughs> um, so so basically, what this comes down to is, uh, this uh, the, the these three National Guard uh, uh, soldiers slowly realize that uh, they're they're like finding themselves in uh, 1876 before uh, the uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn, the uh, the uh, you know their their superiors don't believe them and uh, and keep trying to you know get them to to, to come back. They don't, uh, and eventually they just get they just get stuck back in the past and and killed at the Battle of Little Bighorn. It took me about um, 45 <laughs> seconds to explain that. They stretched it out over 22 minutes. I was about to say, and there was a lot of talking in between. Um, you know, they they find a canteen, like an actual canteen, not a Star Wars cantina, um, mm -hmm. and talk about that for about four minutes. Um, I, I'm ashamed to say I fast-forwarded through a good bit of this episode because <laughs> you kind of knew where it was going. 
Yeah, and, and there's a little bit of uh, you know, a hundred yards over the rim where um yeah. you know the guy the guy uh you know drops his his gun as he's as yeah. he's running away and then they pick it up and it looks like it's you know 150 years old. So there's yeah. there's, there's a little bit of that going on. So I wonder if if it's like the same hill. Yeah, it, honestly, it probably is. Um the only thing that uh, I, I I like how one of the soldiers uh, sniffed the inside of the canteen to see how new it was. Um, oh yeah, th- th- that's that's yeah, totally how you do that. Yeah, <laughs> you don't worry about inhaling some eighty-year-old uh, you know diseased bacteria or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, why would you? <laughs> uh, so they so they fail to. Um... Uh, they they fail to report back, and eventually uh, the um, you know their their uh, their cohorts they they go out looking for them, and eventually uh, you know so so basically about the same time that uh, they go out looking for them, uh, one of them gets shot in the back by an arrow. Yes, uh, which I guess is uh, it, it's funny because they they're going to like visit these uh the these teepees yeah. and um you know like one of them goes down to visit and when he comes back he he kind of looks like he's fine but he's staggering around a little bit and then he 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 says something stupid and then falls over and you find out that he was shot in the back by an arrow and i would have expected that be the end of him but no he he actually uh <laughs> he actually walks it off a little bit i don't understand why that like comedy note was in there too i don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not but i just i I don't know (laughs) i i didn't like this episode i think it could be well done and it has been well done this exact storyline previously in the twilight zone but Mm -hmm. i don't know this this was a slog um it it was a little bit of a slog so uh one thing that i thought was kind of weird and i guess you know, I just always assumed that these were probably driven by budget considerations. Yeah. You never actually see any uh, any Native Americans in this. Like, no. <laughs> at, at one point, you know, like I said, they they see teepees and they, they but there's only like three of them, and, and they, yeah. they go to investigate, but that's it. They're they're just empty. There's nothing nothing there. Uh, the guy gets shot by an arrow, but you never actually see where the arrow came from. It's just it's just kind of there. You'd think you could get a couple of. They have costumes lying around. You, you would think so. I mean, like, you just take a couple of, uh, take a couple of, uh, you know, sound guys and dress them up in, in Indian costumes. Oh my then, God, that would be amazing. That would be and, amazing. And then, and then eventually, uh, it, it ruins their career because they, they get canceled because they were, they were dressed as Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> just like the, the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> exactly. One, just one of those Netflix, uh, crap fest that Adam Sandler's done. Um, uh, the end of the episode here did it not strike you did the end of the episode strike you odd at all uh a, a, a little bit i mean first of all i don't know how many rounds they would have had but they could have actually taken out a good number of indians if they had you know with, with their uh, semi-automatic weapons um yeah because when uh i, I guess the captain like See, I hate. To, I apologize. Step on your toes here. You're you're the narrator of this. But when the when the captain sees the missing soldiers' names on the present day monument mm-hmm. in 1963, um, 
he says it was a pity that they couldn't have taken the, taken the tank with them into battle. Um, mm. So, do they think? It seems like the cat, the captain who discovers the names on the monument, just takes like, okay, they they just went back in time, and then that's it. Like, there's no like. There's there's no discussion on whether or that not that's feasible. He just he acts like that happens every day all the time. And maybe he's he like the uh, he's like the the guy who ran uh, Duff Beer on The Simpsons when they they brought back Prohibition, <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, you know, people are gonna like our non-alcoholic Duff, and then so it's like five minutes later, and he says, well, that's the end of me. <laughs> he just kind of accepts it, and oh, okay, like. Like to your point, what is that report going to look like? Because there, there's going to be an after-action report for this exercise, in which they lost three people. <laughs> oh, uh, they went back in time and they died at the Battle of Little Bighorn. Okay, yeah. uh, Captain look, Bennett, we're going to put you in this hospital room. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's written on the monument. <laughs> and, and honestly, and, and, and by the way, the people saw these. Uh, you know, the people back in uh, 1876, the uh, Union Army folks, they. Uh, they saw these randos in different uniforms. <laughs> uh, didn't think twice about it. Just dumped them in the grave and put their uh, put their their names on the monument. With very modern, quote unquote, looking uniforms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they would have known that they were modern. They would have just said, "Well, true, what are these people true. wearing? These this aliens. is hideous." Do you do you think that if they had the tank, they would have uh, changed the outcome of little of the battle of Little Bighorn? Um, that's a good question. I mean, the, uh, the tank would have been pretty good at repelling arrows. I will say that. We, um, <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, under strength in the Wikipedia entry of battle of little bighorn, um, <clears throat> the United States had, uh, a 700 cavalry men and scouts, a couple Indian mm -hmm. scouts, uh, the Indians had Native Americans had uh, anywhere from eleven hundred to twenty five hundred warriors. So, oh, that's actually that's, that's actually that's actually closer than I would have expected. Yeah, eleven hundred to seven hundred is actually negligible in my opinion, but twenty five hundred yeah, well, to seven hundred. I, I know that that whole thing isn't actually like Custer because. Uh, like Custer had a relatively small group of people that he was leading, and those were the ones that got that 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 got killed. It wasn't like it wasn't like all seven hundred got got killed. It was, it was yeah, Custer only two hundred sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, and, and and his little group. So it's probably more like two hundred sixty eight versus you know like eleven hundred to to twenty twenty five hundred. But even at the time, like if you would have told. If you had told the Union Army, you've got 268 people and they've got two and you know 2,500, they probably still would have Leroy Jenkins right into that because they would have yes. assumed that that because of the technological advantage, they were going to be able to uh, they, they they were going to be able to do better than that. Yeah, I mean, um, if you had if you have that tank, but but if you got the tank and you can you know, like I, I they didn't have any artillery. Uh, no. So you're adding artillery, plus they're not going to be able to get at the people in the tank because, yeah, I think yeah, the tank just armored. wins. So yeah, I mean, literally, the tank could have just like run over people, and, and yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, I think had they been able to take the tank, they probably would have done pretty well because because 
you know, if it's 1,100 people, they probably have 1,100 rounds of ammunition and they don't have to kill everybody. So I, you yeah. know, I, I think this is a little, that, that's another hole in this because I think with, uh, you know, just three people with uh, automatic rifles, I, I'm, I'm thinking you do pretty well against them. I would imagine so too. Um, <clears throat> meaning, I mean, ultimately, um, this the story that he was gonna that he was trying to tell was like those names at the, you know, on the monuments at the end. So that's that's what they're trying to get true. to it. So it's like it's like James Cameron with the big door. Yeah, maybe Leo could have fit on it, but you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the as, monument here. <laughs> yeah, as as James Cameron said, the script said he was supposed to die, so he died. I um. I don't know where we go from here, Keith, because uh, if I have to watch another episode where an astronaut or a contemporary military man goes back to the Old West, I'm going to feel like I have lost the Battle of Little Bighorn as well. Just remember, if you ever go back in time, don't step on anything because even the tiniest change can alter history in ways you can't possibly imagine. Sergeant William Connors, Trooper Michael McCluskey, and Trooper Richard Langsford, who on a hot afternoon in June made a charge over a hill and never returned. Look for this one under P for Phantom in a historical ledger located in a reading room known as the Twilight Zone. Cabotron? Okay, don't panic. Remember the advice your father gave you on your wedding day? If you ever travel back in time, step on anything because even the tiniest change can alter the future in ways you can't imagine.